I'm throwing you to him. Okay. Hello, welcome to today's episode oh. of Juice the Numbers, your statistical sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. I I was still saying I was pulling stuff up. I, I said I was pulling up, so I wasn't ready yet. <laughs> that doesn't matter. We are okay. here. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I decided to fuck with Corwin and start the recording early, and here we are, folks. Um, Sunday, August 30th at 1 p.m., and we're going to go over. Uh, it is, it's, it, it, I want to say it's halfway through the season, but depending on who you root for, it is not. We are beyond past halfway through the season, but we're close enough MLB wide. We're going to call this at the halfway point. Through the MLB season, which means, as we've done in years past, it is time for an update on our bold predictions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's weird because we have 30 games, and in a normal season, that wouldn't even be enough for me to say these statistics matter yet. And yet, this is the halfway point in the season. So, like, this kind of does matter. 30 games really matters, um, which is wacky and wild. Uh, so, as per usual, Corin and I will be going through our awards picks, giving little updates on where we think the people that we chose for these awards land, or are currently ranked, or their current standing, and then do our 10 bold predictions and give updates on how close we are to those being true. So, Corwin, now that I've vamped a little bit for you, are you about ready to go? Uh, it's one of those things where I could piece it together as we talk about stuff. I can't wait to find out how you do. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all right, so let's get started with the awards. Um, I have on the top of my list manager of the year. You want to start there? Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> the bottom bringing, of my list, but I'll make it work. A ringing endorsement. Um, for American League manager of the year, I had picked Dusty Baker. Of the Houston Astros, and that does not seem to be going well. No, I don't think that will. Um, I, I picked them because the Astros, I expected to still be a very good to great baseball team this year, and so far, they have not been. My God. Um, Altuve, absolutely struggling. Most of the team, really struggling. Uh, still, I think, over 500 right now but not by nearly as much as they should be. So um, I would say definitely not a good look for Dusty Baker right now, as his team is second at 19-14 in the Western Division, right behind the Athletics at 22-12. and 12. Um, Not good for Dusty Baker. Yes. How about uh, you? I definitely don't think he's going to win it. Uh, I had Rick Renteria. Uh, Renteria, I don't know how to pronounce his name, of the White Sox. And... I think he's within striking distance right now. Which is a good pick. Yeah. I mean, so the White Sox are second in the AL Central right now. One game behind the Indians. Um, They're good for what looks to be the fourth best record in the AL right now. I'm going by total wins. Let's go by win percentage. Yeah. So they're fourth right now in total win percentage in the AL. The Rays are ahead of them, so I think that would be a, a good pick if you wanted to pick manager of the year or the Athletics, who both um, are above 640 uh, in win percentage. Either of those managers could be good picks. R- White Sox, though, are within striking distance, so we'll see. 
Just a real quick aside, I was looking at the NL, and holy shit, the entire National League is doing awful. Yeah. Well, not the whole wow. not the whole National League. Well, a, uh, the, a, a very large portion of the National like yeah. the, the White Sox are the fourth best team in the American League and not leading their own division, and they'd be the second best team in the National League. Oh, yeah. Like, that's um, nuts. Pretty crazy. I, I mean, obviously, I am now a diehard Padres fan, so I've been watching them closely. Looking at their 20 and 15 record, you know, good for a 571 win percentage. All right. That's pretty good compared to the rest of the National League. I thought we were in a great position. Now, looking at the AL essentially for the first time, hard yikes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that 571 would put them uh, behind the Twins and the Astros and just ahead of the Yankees for a good seventh place in the american league if we switch their 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 um their league so crazy granted the american league was also much well much better positioned for this season that had a dh than the national league teams were because the american league teams are used to playing with a dh and the national league teams are not but it doesn't matter uh a lot of time spent on <laughs> American League Manager of the Year. My National League Manager of the Year pick was Dave Roberts of the Dodgers because I figured once again the Dodgers would be good, and so far they have been. So while they might not be the most exciting breakout team in the National League because they've won their division every year for the past like seven years, um, this is still p- positioned in my eyes to be a decent pick. Yeah, I mean that's who I picked as well. Dave Roberts seems to be the the shoe in to win at least this year. Um, unless one of these teams has a major rebound and is able to pull close to that record. Um, but, I mean, Dodgers are so clearly the best team in the NL. Um, you know, maybe the Marlins, just because they are at 500, uh, if they could somehow find a way into the playoffs, I think that would be, you know, Don Mattingly would be a pretty solid bet for that. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot... Um, you know, going on for the rest of these teams. Yeah. All right. Um, so you also had Dave Roberts, right? But he doesn't like uh, my boy, Fernando Tatis, so he doesn't deserve the award. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, and I was like, nah, fuck him. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you also had Dave Roberts then for National League? I did. All right. Um, I next have MVP. So I guess we'll just keep trucking along. Sure. Uh, my American League MVP choice was Aaron Judge. Which at the beginning of the season looked spot fucking on, and he has since done a ten day stint on the IL and is about to land on the and has already I should say landed on the IL for a second time. With Brian Cashman, the Yankees GM, saying he's likely to serve double the time he spent the first time um, on it, so we're going to be missing him for about half a season if that's true, because that would be thirty. Well, I guess not 30 games, but probably, honestly, 30 games um, with all the doubleheaders the Yankees have coming up. So uh, that basically, just by games played, kind of takes him out of the running here. So I, I I don't think this will end up being a good pick for me. Yeah, I went with Giancarlo Stanton. And in a similar vein to Aaron Judge, start of the year, looked like a tremendous pick, was on fire. Um, and then... He did Giancarlo Stanton things and got hurt and has been on the IL for the majority of this season. You would know better than I about his status. Um, either way, about half almost this point. no way in hell that he wins MVP at this point. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking shame. Um, all right, my National League pick, since uh, we're moving on, since you had Giancarlo Stanton for your American League, my National League pick was Mookie Betts. Uh, Mookie Betts certainly having himself a nice season. 2020 war is 2.4. That's pretty good. Um, in fact, that leads all of baseball for position players, um, which leads me to say, yes, this is a very good pick. Um, his line, just to get it on out there, 289, 372, 609. My God. Uh, for a 982 OPS, a 164 OPS plus, is currently not leading baseball in anything offensively. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's consistent and he, he plays a complete game, and that's fucking good enough. His DWAR is also there; it's, it's all looking good. He's uh, th- this is certainly looking like a good pick for me. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, Mookie Betts is Mookie Betts. That's a pretty solid bet, any way you look at it. Um, I went with Bryce Harper, who I thought that was kind of going to be a a hit or miss pick. Uh, Excuse the baseball pun. Um, He's having himself a good season, has one war, uh, 27 hits, seven home runs, batting 303 um, with a 1,045 OPS, good for a 178 OPS plus. Um, You know, not exactly in the top 10 of total war for position players. Um, I mean, obviously, Fernando Tatis is right there with Mookie Betts for, you know, the front runners for uh, NL MVP. Um, I mean, Bryce Harper, really good player, but would have to do have to do a, a little bit of catching up to reach those guys. So not looking great, but not looking bad either. Obviously, War doesn't like him as much because, um, well, actually, I guess, is Mookie playing right field or center field for the Dodgers? Uh, I thought he was playing right field and Cody was playing center. I think you're right. Um, Regardless, defense never been a huge part of Bryce Harper's game here, but offensively, he's fucking swinging the bat right now. Um, As shown by the fact that he's currently leading all of baseball in intentional walks. Uh, he's, uh, he's having himself a nice fucking season. It's tough because so far there are, there's very stiff competition in the national league for, for, uh, MVP, but in a, in a different season, or if he could hold up that 178 OPS plus for a seat for the remainder of the season, I don't know. He, he might have a pretty decent shot. That's, that's fucking, that's fucking high, man. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's go to AL Cy Young, um, where I had Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees, and this does not look like it's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, as a man that has watched all of his starts, he has been fine. He has been a uh, top two starter for for the team, um, and that's all there really is to say. He's let up a lot of home runs. Which most of which have been solo shots because he's still been been playing well, so that that's all well and good. He got really roughed up in his last start, um, but he's been getting hit a lot. He's been getting hit hard a lot, um, and his his fastball just isn't what it was last season. Which of course I didn't think anyone thought it was going to be with all the you know shady shit Houston does with their pitching. 
But uh, I, as of right now, if I had to like double down or fold this bet, I would, I would get out of there. This is, uh, it's not looking good. Yeah, um, I mean, by all means, he's not having a bad season. He's still the Yankees ace. He's still up there as one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. It's just he's not playing like the Garrett Cole that we expect Garrett Cole to be. Right. Um, and it also sucks because he's very much far behind my pick for AL Cy Young, Shane Bieber, who is undoubtedly the front runner for this right now. 2.3 war, 6-0, and sporting a 1.35 ERA. Both of those lead all of baseball. Um, in 46.2 innings pitched, he's given up 29 hits, 7 earned runs, only 4 home runs, only 9 walks to pair with 75 strikeouts leading all of MLB as a 340 ERA+, plus, a 168 FIP, a .8 whip, and just is the fucking best pitcher on the planet right now. So I will definitely stroke myself thinking of how awesome this pick was. Y'all can short on my balls. I am the smartest baseball fan ever. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever you say. Uh, currently behind Max Freed, but that's okay. Uh <laughs> Not that war really matters. Uh, which actually brings us to my National League Cy Young pick, Mike Soroka. I picked the wrong Brave. Uh, Mike Soroka not having a great season. Um, not having a bad season, but not having a great season, not having the Cy Young season. Um, he hasn't won a game yet. He has lost one. He, But his ERA is 3.95. Which is uh, good for a 122 ERA plus, so 22 percent better than league average right now. Um, and it's like a, it's like a fine. This is like a really decent number three starter season, and that will definitely not win you the Cy Young Award. No. Um, so I wish I picked Max Fried because I was thinking the right team, uh, but picked the wrong guy. Anyway, yeah, I mean that that's just kind of how that goes. Um, my guy, I went with uh, Jake DeGrom, super safe, easy pick. I mean, he's having himself a spectacular season. Only one and a half war because he only has two wins because it's the Mets, but that's kind of just how you got to accept Jake DeGrom at this point. Uh, a 1.8 ERA, absolutely killing it. 35 innings pitched, 22 hits, seven earned runs. Excuse me, only giving up two home runs and pairs that with 49 strikeouts and seven walks. Um, I mean, he's right up there with you, Darvish. Both of those guys having very similar and spectacular years. Um, but I don't think it goes without, you know, it goes without saying that he is always going to be that front runner for Cy Young in the National League. I am super confused as to why he has. Only 1.5 war. That's actually really weird. Like, it's got to be the wins, right? I wouldn't think that those things would factor in, though. I wouldn't think so either. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't see anything right. on his stats that would come anywhere close to, you know, detracting from that. All right. So, hold on. So, so Max Fried has a full, a full win more than Jacob deGrom. So, let's compare their stats Max Fried, a 1.35 ERA, which leads all of baseball to Jacob DeGrom's 1.8. So, like, both of them, phenomenal. 
Um, Freed obviously leads a little bit, but not by like a crazy amount, all things considered. Um, Freed has seven games started and 40 innings pitched. DeGrom has six games started and 35 innings pitched. So a few less innings, but like that's really just one outing, which is the difference right now between the two of them in that regard. Uh, Freed has allowed 26 hits. DeGrom has allowed 22. DeGrom, advantage DeGrom. Um, Freed has allowed six earned runs to DeGrom, seven. Advantage Freed. Um, Freed has allowed no home runs. DeGrom has allowed two. Freed has allowed 12 walks to DeGrom, seven. Um, Freed has 38 strikeouts to DeGrom's 49. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand what the difference is here. There's some small stuff, but not like a full win different, you know? I, I have no ability to answer that question. It, it's just insane. We need answers. Um, all right. Somebody call up Rob Manfred. I'm sure he's not doing anything right now. Someone yeah, call yeah. Sean Lehman. We need to know. The people demand Jacob deGrom justice. Yeah. Um, I need a 30 right. for 30 on this. God damn it. We, we need a 10-part last dance style documentary. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to American League Rookie of the Year. Actually, Corwin, I think we picked the same Rookies of the Year for both. <laughs> right? Oh. No, we, you definitely picked a different rookie for the AL. We definitely picked the same for NL. Okay. All right. I believe you. So my, my AL pick then is Luis Robert. That's not who you had? No. Okay. Uh, well, I picked Luis Robert, currently sitting at 1.7 war. Um, he His his line is, uh, where'd it go? There it is. 292, 336, 566. Good for a 902 OPS, a 141 OPS plus. Um, he even has a positive D-War. He's got almost a full win. Uh, he's got 0.9 D-War, which for a rookie in center field is pretty fucking cool. Like that's a, It's not that he needed it, but it's really cool that it exists and it's out in the world. Um, he's been absolutely killing it in the outfield. I mean, granted, he's playing next to, you know, Eloy Jimenez, which... Eloy Jimenez and Adam Engel. Yeah, so he they make him look like the best defensive player in all of baseball, but he's still... Honestly, not even because Adam Engel... Is like the white Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, he also can't hit very well and has been staying in the major leagues strictly because his defense is phenomenal. He was the center fielder before Robert stepped in um, and was really good at it. Um, well, Jimenez is doing that for him, I guess. I don't know. I, I, say, don't, Eloy, I, Eloy, I, have, no, I have no excuses for Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, um, I, I feel good about this so far. Um, I feel very good about this so far, actually, so. Well, Josh, right, hold on. you should Real quick. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, Adam Engel has been in baseball. This is his fourth season. Would you like to guess his total war in four seasons? Uh, point four. Uh, no, it, it, that, although that is how much war he has in 2020. Okay, okay. Um. So 0 0.4 war in 2020, career war 1.1. 1 .1. Oof. That's not Care good, Josh. Career OPS plus 65. Oh, oh, that's really not good. So listen to this. His, his career O war, that's offensive war, 0 0.3. His career D war, 1.6. Oof. Literally the only thing that's been keeping him in the majors. 
That is not ideal. No. No, it is not. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, going back to AL Rookie of the Year, I would just like to point out that you should not feel good about uh, Luis Robert winning AL Rookie of the Year because it's going to be Kyle Lewis, my pick for AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, so if you remember, I was kind of torn between Brady Singer, Kyle Lewis, and Luis Robert. Um, I ended up going with Luis Robert, or not Luis Robert, excuse me, Kyle Lewis. Um, and just to compare the two, um, while Robert has 1.7 war, Lewis is at 1.5. Um, both have very similar at bats, 124, 113 in favor of Lewis. Um, Lewis is batting 339 as a rookie to Robert's 292, has seven home runs to Robert's eight. Um, if we could find a way that I could look at more stats, we can go over uh, <laughs> OPS. Um, Kyle Lewis has a 902, I'm sorry, Luis Robert has a 902, while Kyle Lewis, if I can find it, has a 952. So they are very much neck and neck. Um, the defense is very much going in favor of Luis Robert. I am trying to find some fielding stats and some fielding war so I could compare. I can't, so I'm just going to go with it, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's very much neck and neck. It's really just going to be who's hot at the end of the season right before voting takes place. But it's a two-horse race there for sure. I am going to disagree about it being a two-horse race for a very stupid right. reason. Yeah. You ready? Um, the Mariners are bad, and the White Sox are good. And while you might say to yourself, but Josh, this is an individual award. A team's uh, win-loss record shouldn't matter. And I agree. It shouldn't. And yet, it does. For, like, no good reason. Um, and right now, Luis Robert is on a much better team. Um, which, you know, and, like, the whole good thing... It might be because, hey, Luis Robert is going to end up on more primetime games. So, like, more of the American League Rookie of the Year voting pool will, like, see him play or pick a reason. doesn't matter. But uh, you're right, though. This has been a super fun race. They play the same position. They both play center field. Um, they're, they, they're, they're both relatively young. Uh, obviously, they're young dudes because they're, they're uh, rookies. Um, but but uh, the, Kyle Lewis, uh, 24. Uh, Luis Robert, 22. 23, sorry. Um, it's really yeah. I, I I love the 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 youth movement in the outfield right now, and having center field being such a, a, a tough competitive position in the American League right now is just so much fun. So many good uh, center fielders in in the AL. Oh, absolutely. Um, bu buoyed a lot by Mike Trout, but still. Hmm. Uh, all right, uh, my National League actually our I guess we should say our National League Rookie of the Year pick, uh, Dustin May. Dustin May. Uh, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. Um, right, for, real quick, I did represent you correctly, right? We did both pick yeah. Dustin May. All right, yeah. cool. Um, so he's currently I sitting. Just to fuck with you, but whatever. I, I would have been concerned. He he has um he's been he's got seven starts. What has he been yeah. starting? Mm -hmm. That's how out of the loop I am. Um, I just looked at his ERA earlier. Uh, it's down from what it was last year, which is nice. Um. As he's already surpassed last year's innings, last year he pitched 34.2 innings. Um, this year he's already pitched 35. 
<laughs> so his ERA is already down over a half a run, down from 3.63 to 2.83. He's got seven starts, which uh, is tied for the most in uh, the National League. Um, he's got a 1.171 whip, which is a little bit higher, but not a huge deal. And his um, his ERA being lower has just, has just been great. Uh, he has fewer batters hit. So he's getting a lot better control over the wild movement he has on his pitches, which if he can control uh, where those balls go, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, he's allowed a few more home runs, but it's not a huge deal. He's letting up less earned runs, and that's really what matters. If, if you don't put runners on base and you add up solo shots, like it's, it is what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Kid looks fucking good. 0.7 war. Uh, yeah, I've. I'm, I I I I think he's going to have some some competition from other areas, but I mean I, I'm still digging the pick a lot. Yeah, I mean I went with the pick as well, but I am not confident in his ability to win Rookie of the Year, just because Mr. Padre himself is coming in out of nowhere and stealing the spotlight. Jake Cronenworth, uh, you know Mr. Padre, Mr. Baseball, you could call him. Uh, has come out of nowhere. We're not giving him the title. We're not. Hold on. We're not disrespecting Tony <laughs> Gwynn like that. I refuse to allow the Tony Gwynn slander to take place on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I'm the Padres fan here, lifelong Padres fan. I get to choose the Padre names for whoever I so choose. Yes. Um, but yeah, Jay Cronenworth, <laughs> really good at baseball. Has There's doubled that joke up again. more against Dustin May. Dustin May has 0.7. Cronenworth has 1.4. Um, has 32 hits, three home runs with a 348 batting average, a 995 OPS. This kid has been spectacular. Has less strikeouts than Dustin May does as a pitcher, um, which is pretty spectacular. 10 walks. Uh, the guy's having a hell of a season. Uh, his defense has been pretty spectacular. I think this guy's going to win rookie of the year. You're probably right, but hey, maybe uh, maybe he won't. You know what? The fact that he doesn't play for the Dodgers is the biggest thing against him. Now that is a good point. Um, I next have World Series champ, but I also have we also I also have comeback player of the year. Do we want to do that first? Do you want to do World yeah. Series champ first? Yeah, let's do comeback player of the year. All right. Uh, I picked for the American League John Carlos Stanton, and he is hurt. Um, yeah. Now, I don't think that necessarily takes him completely out of the running because last year he played. I don't feel like looking it up. Um, but I'm going to say, ah, damn, I'm going to look it up now because I need to compare his stats. Um, but last year he 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 barely played. I want I want to say 14 games and 18 games, and he's already played 14 games this season. So if he comes back for one single week's worth of baseball, um, he will have played more games this season than he did last season. And because this season is so much shorter, um, it would matter. And the 14 games he's played in, he's been phenomenal. His slash line as it stands right now uh, is 293, 453, 585, good for a 1038 OPS and a 183 OPS plus. Fuck, man. That's really fucking good. He has a half a war in 14 games. That's pretty freaking awesome. I mean, that's, for a, that's for a hard DH. to do. Yeah. yeah, for a DH. That's that, obviously, you know, playing defense gives you the ability to lose war because 
of poor defense, but it also gives you the ability to gain war, as we're seeing with guys like Luis Robert. Um, so I, he's been phenomenal. If he can get back on the field and finish out not even the last half of the season, given the last quarter of the season, really, just to get him to the 30-game mark so he played half a season, I still think he could be in the running for this. So um, it's not looking good right now because he's still out, but if he can get himself back on the field, I still have some confidence in this pick. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see that. You know, this is a hard award to pick just because, you know, it's hard to honestly go back and look at guys that could be in consideration for this award. You know, it's not easy to just go through, sort through some stats and, okay, there's your answer. Um, my pick was Shohei Otani. I think we should just move on. Uh, he's not winning it. No, he's not. Um, and nor is the person winning my nas- my National League pick also not really in the running for this award. I picked Jamison Tyone. He still hasn't pitched yet this season. Um, Last bit of news on him was from three days ago, four days ago, by the time you listen to this, uh, August 27th, that he will begin throwing live batting practice on Wednesday, which um, I think that's September 2nd. So, hey, if he came back for the last half of the season and played uh, and pitched in six games and did really well, could he? Sure. And Santa Claus could start shitting rainbows. But, like, you know, I don't think this is very likely to happen anytime soon. Um, And even if he does come back, he's going to be playing on one of the worst teams in, like, the history of the sport. So, I just, uh, I think you got to call this one dead on arrival, which is unfortunate. But maybe I'll pick him again next year. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. As much as uh, I'd love to see him win it as a former partial Pirates fan, I still want to see him a recovering pod, A recovering Pirates fan. Yeah, that, that's actually a much better, better way to uh, present that. Um, I'd love to see Tyone win it. Uh, love him as a pitcher. Um, love him as a guy. And, um, you know, I hope he comes back. But, yeah, this is not his year. Uh, my pick was Andrew McCutcheon. Um, who actually isn't having all too bad of a year. It started off pretty pretty horribly, um, but he's worked himself up to a 275 batting average um, over you know 102 at-bats. Let's pull up his OPS, 710 right now, which is not ideal, 91 OPS plus. Um, it's, it's not great. It's not spectacular, not walking nearly as much as he used to. Uh, the big concern here is, uh, I'll let you guess this. So, currently, Andrew McCutcheon sits at 44.5 war in his career uh, over the past 12 seasons. How much war do you think he's accumulated this year? Negative 0.4. I really, really don't like you, Josh. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. All right. Well, there's your answer. Negative 0.4. Pretty, pretty concerning stat to look at. Uh, all together. So um, it's, I don't know who else would be in consideration, but it, unless there's some good candidates elsewhere, it's not looking good for him. Oh, no, it was a real, like the fact that his batting average is back. And I know that's not the end all be all, but the fact that it's back up to 275 speaks volumes to how well he's been doing recently because he was 
so bad when the season started, which is just soul-crushing because, one, everyone loves Andrew McCutcheon, and two, he had got dealt such a rough hand last season. I think everyone was looking forward to a bounce-back production season from Andrew McCutcheon to not get it. It was just killing, I think, everybody, um, mm-hmm. especially because everyone knows he's more talented than what he showed in the beginning of the season. So it's nice to see him start to turn it around. This could still end up being a really good pick. I, I think that there's still plenty of hope since he's done so much work to get back, um, statistically speaking, to, to where he would most normally be. But, you know, we'll see. All right. Um, oh, World Series champs. Um, I had picked the Yankees. Uh, they Everyone died. Everyone died on the Yankees. Um, they're no longer... We're, we're going to have to move out of the Bronx soon um, because it's becoming a graveyard to Yankees past. Um, everyone's hurt. Ev- everyone's hurt. I've never... Even last year, everyone got hurt. But like at different times. This year, everyone's hurt at the same time. It's crazy. We have like Trenton Thunder lineups going out right now. That being said, we're still second place in the division, which means we have a playoff spot. I don't feel great about it uh, because the Blue Jays are on our ass and we're pretty far out from where the Rays are. But we are currently in a playoff spot, so does it have hope? Sure. Um, And with a short season, if everyone comes back at the same time in like two, three weeks, well, in two, three weeks from now, we're almost going to be ready for the playoffs anyway. So in theory, if the Yankees can get all their injuries out of the way early um, and be be back in time, then cool. Then, then yeah, then like there's a chance that we make, we're in well positioned for a, a playoff run, but I wouldn't, I don't know. This, 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 this prediction could still very reasonably come true. I do not have high hopes that it will. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I picked the Dodgers. Good yeah, pick. You know, they're still the front runners. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, they're the only team with a above a 680, I want to say, winning percentage. I can actually look that up right now. Definitely won't be under the other National League teams. Yeah. I mean, the next closest team is the – Tampa Bay Rays of all teams uh, with a 676, they're all the way up with like a 714. Yep, 714 win percentage. So um, I know we've talked that's not the end-all be-all right now, but they are, you know, clearly the top team in baseball right now. Yeah, and they will. that also means that they will have the easiest road through the playoffs to start mm-hmm. playing such low seeds. All right, so that should bring us into our bold predictions. You ready to get into it? I am. Uh, do you want to start since I started with the awards, or do you want to keep the train rolling where you finish up? Um, yeah, I'll start. Why not? Um, so my first project, pro- wow, prediction was that Matt Chapman wins another platinum glove. Um, you know, it's hard to really project this out just because of all the different ways you can look at this. Um, I'm going to just go by defensive run saves right now. Um, I just think that's a pretty good catch-all stat for defensive players. I know things will change, and there will be more to look at uh, when this is decided. Um, but my boy Matty Chapman is currently sitting at 14th among all players um, with defensive run saves, actually tied for 13th, excuse me, um, with 2.8. Right now, Jacob Stallings, uh, catcher, catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, is leading MLB with 4.4. 
Trent Grisham of the Padres playing center field is up there with 3.9, which is insane, tied with Marcus Simeon. And then you have your usual suspects also up there, Byron Buxton, Kevin Kiermeyer, Nolan Arenado, uh, you know, Christian Vasquez, Javier Baez, Yasmani Grandal, and Giovanni Urshela all ahead of them. So Giovanni Urshela currently has bone spurs in his elbow and is not playing baseball. Well, uh, I can't make it up. Yeah, no, you can't. Well, you could make it up. It just, we're here and this is real. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to make it up is really what everyone should say. Very true. Yeah, because you're right. Everyone can. People made up Harry Potter. You can make up fucking anything, man. Like, (laughs) the human mind is very creative. Still making up stuff about Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. You got to magic the poop away. (laughs) Still one of my favorite things. Um, Uh, Especially since we've seen them in bathrooms. We know they have bathrooms are a key part of the plot of the second book. <laughs> a key part of the plot. Oh my god! And anyway, anyway, it's so stupid. Do do babies do magic? Babies magic their poop away, or do their parents have to magic the poop away for them? How do you teach kids the the magic the poop away spell? <laughs> like it's so dumb. Anyway, my first prediction was that the Padres win the National League West. Uh, there was a lot of hype around the Padres coming into the season, which I'm not usually so prudently. Um, I don't. I usually so much so buy into uh, this season. I decided to go for it as one of my predictions, and so far, they're not winning their division. But wow, they're doing really fucking well. I know their win percent is, um, as we said, would put them in seventh in the American League. Guess what? They're not in the American League. They're in the National League, where that seven five seventy one is third best. Um, second best in their division behind a really tough Dodgers team, and which from which they're currently five games back, and five games back when you only have uh, they both played 35 games, so when you only have 25 games left is a lot. Um, it's 20 percent of the of the remainder of the season, but they're I'm I, it's a long shot, but it's still in play, is what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the Padres come out and you know beat back the Dodgers in a couple series, whatnot, able to steal that crown. Uh, but, I mean, let's be real here. That that won't happen. As good as the Padres have been, it's the Dodgers this year, and they're just unbeatable. I guess we'll find out. Corbin Heller, tell me your next prediction. Uh, this one, you know, it's hard to give an update for, but the Pirates will trade away their best player in exchange for parking vouchers, finish last in the MLB with less than 20 wins, and will try and start beef with Amir Garrett again, only to be embarrassed again. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say. They haven't started any fights with Amir Garrett yet. The trade deadline is tomorrow, so there's still time for them to trade away some good players. Didn't they just not have a trade like the other day? Uh, it wasn't anything spectacular, if there was one. Gerard um, Dyson. I want to say it was Gerard Dyson. Yeah, again, that's that's not anything. Um, but let's see. They are currently nine and twenty-one, so they are in fact on pace to win less than twenty games over the course of the season, which is fucking disgusting to think about. Um, I mean, on pace for eighteen wins—that's pretty unbearable. Um, how many players? How how many players on the Pirates do you think have more than one WAR? Oh. Uh, I'll say one. Are you yeah. looking it up? 
I, I have it right. It, it, it is one. Jacob, okay. Jacob Stallings. Yeah, that's center field. Is your catcher? Four and a half. Or, or, yeah, sorry. It is catcher. Um, with the 4.4 defensive run saves. And so I'm actually super confused as to why Gerard Dyson got traded because he has negative 0.7 war and his OPS plus is six. Well, it's a good thing they got rid of him. Wow. Yeah, this is crazy. Wait, did they trade him for parking vouchers? Because I'll count that as a half. Yeah, I um, you should count it as a half. I think you should count it as a half. Actually, you know what's crazy is, statistically speaking, he is the worst player on the Pirates. Which is saying something. Yeah. Wow. Gregory Polanco is second worst. That is not surprising. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, so my next bull prediction is that the Orioles finish above 400. I was given shit at the time. And so far, it's holding true. The Orioles are at 438. That is 38 <laughs> points of percentage points higher than 400. Actually, it's 39 percentage points higher than 400. Um, no, it's 37, 38 I like, points. Uh, I hate counting 400. So it's 30. 37 points higher than 400 is 38 points from 400 and it's 39 points away from being below 400. So I feel good. I feel good about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm just as surprised about it as you are. Um, but yeah, good, good on the Orioles for finding a way to win games. Now they are two and eight in their last 10. <laughs> oh, so they're trying their hardest to go below five, 400. Uh, but we'll see if they can maintain some semblance of this over the course of a season. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, number three for me, a player will be suspended for the entirety of the remainder of the season for breaking MLB social distancing and safety rules. We've partially seen this already with Mike Clevenger, Mike Clevenger and Zach Playsack. Um, they were sent down to the minors for honestly a short amount of time, all things considered, um, by the team, not by MLB. It, at this point, you know, unless something happens later on in the year, I don't see this working out just because we've seen the precedent and it's not exactly something that has accrued a, a serious punishment. Yeah, getting, you know, sent down to the alternative training site, not playing, getting suspended by the team is bad, but it, it wasn't the length in which the prediction kind of was looking for. So. Could still happen, but it's not looking great. But I guess in the spirit, players have been suspended because of breaking very basic rules for about social distancing and safety. So More than that, I would give you extra points for obviously the entire season thing, I would say, was hyperbole at the time. Um, so that being the case, we treat it like hyperbole instead of reality. Yeah, players have missed significant time. If we're going with the Zach Plesak and, and Mike Clevenger out, they have missed significant time for being idiots and disobeying the And if you want to, depending on how you want to put it, uh, the entirety of the Marlins and Cardinals also missed significant chunks of the season for disobeying social distancing guidelines be oh. and then getting COVID. Don't worry, Josh. That will come into effect shortly. You are correct. All right, um, my next prediction, I moved away from it before I read it. Oh, uh, <laughs> unnamed batter hits over 350 for the entirety of the season. Uh, so far, that is holding up. We have three batters batting 350 or better right now. 
um, which feels crazy because like two weeks ago there was like a million. Um, but right now, oh sorry, mm-hmm. there's a, actually a couple, but they there's some asterisks in that they don't have um, enough playing time for them to fully count yet. But the three players that have that are qualified batters, uh, Trey Turner of the Nationals, Tim Anderson, my guy of the White Sox, and Charles Blackman of <laughs> of uh, the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Turner currently hitting 350, Anderson at 361, and Blackman on top of the league at 362. Um, Juan Soto is also currently batting 358, though he's not fully qualified. Um, he's missing some plate appearances, as is DJ LeMahieu, who's currently batting 403. So if they can get enough plate appearances, although that will probably come at the um, sacrificing of some of their batting average, they they are also currently positioned to do that. Also worth saying, Jay Cronenworth currently at 348, just shy of the 350 mark. So, so far, this position or th- this prediction is holding up. Yeah. I still wish Charlie Blackman found a way to stay hot and hit above 400, but I would prefer if Tim Anderson did it. I want Tim Anderson to do it. I love Tim Anderson. Fair enough. Tim Anderson, cool dude. Super cool dude. Very underrated somehow. Still, after winning a batting title. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Next up on my list, number four. Multiple teams will need to forfeit a series due to players testing positive and will end up playing less than 60 games. This one has happened. We got there. Um, this is the only th- only one so far that we can confidently say has happened and has reached its goal. Um, and goddamn, like I wish it didn't happen so quickly, but it it, it happens. You know, it happened to the Marlins. It happened to uh, the Cardinals. It, I don't know if the Yankees are going to have to end up with less than 60 games with all of the games that they've missed, but it is definitely something that has occurred. Yeah. It's crazy. The Yankees missed a bunch of games because they were supposed to play teams like the Phillies that had outbreaks and then they couldn't play them and then miss a bunch of games just from fucking weather. Um, So the Yankees actually haven't had to quarantine themselves at all, but they missed series against the Phillies and Mets because of COVID that they did then make up and then have just had rainouts. Um, So they might get really hosed in terms of they are they're currently getting hosed because they're currently right now as we speak playing game one of a doubleheader, their second doubleheader in the last three days as they play five games in three days against the Mets. So Yankees definitely getting fucked this year because of all the restrictions. But oh well is yeah, happens. what it is. Um, my next prediction, uh, unnamed batter hits 20 home runs, and we are almost definitely getting this. Oh, without question. Yeah. Uh, wow. As of right now, the league leaders, uh, or the major league leaders, because they're both the same amount, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Nelson Cruz both have 13 home runs. Um, and with Tatis playing in 35 games so far, Nelson Cruz having played in 33 games. So if you know if you give them the the time to hit only seven more, given the number of games played they have remaining and what they've done in the first half, uh, 20 is only an eventuality. Like it's 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 gonna happen. Um, so feeling good in the neighborhood about that one. Hmm. Um, yeah, my next prediction, very much in the same vein. Uh, John Carlos Stanton hits 26 home runs on pace for 70. 
over the course of a full season. That one isn't going to happen. Uh, that's fair. Um, Fernando Tatis, probably the closest. I mean, he's on pace for 22 home runs. 22.3, excuse me, if we want to be, you know, statistical about it. Um, so 26, still not quite out of reach, but it's looking less and less likely. Would require, you know, a nice hot streak towards the end of the season uh, to get there. But damn, either way, this is a lot more home runs than was expected. Truly. Um, I Hey! I hope he still does it. I'm just going to put that out there. I would really um, love if he did. That would be so insane. My 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 next bold prediction might be the boldest one that still has a real chance of happening. Um, unnamed pitcher gets over 150 strikeouts. And that is a ridiculous number. And as of right now, there is one pitcher on pace to do it. Shane Bieber. He is not on pace to do it. There's no way. Shane Bieber. five strikeouts. Yeah, and it's halfway through the season. So if he does that again in the second half, 75 plus 75 is... Fuck. Uh, well, how many games have they played? They're over halfway. Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber has, has had seven starts, and I would very reasonably assume for him to have at least seven yeah. more. They've only played... You know, the Indians have only played 33 games so far. It could happen. It honestly could happen. Yeah. Wow. I was looking at because I, I remember that being a thing when I was looking up the Shane Bieber stats and I was like, oh, shit, he's only at 75. There's no way. But fuck, he, he does have a chance. You know, if he stays healthy and the Indians need him, yeah, it could happen. As wild as that feels, because the next closest guy, I was just looking at the stats page and I lost it. Um, here it is. The next closest guy is Lucas Giolito at 58. And I would be so hard-pressed to say Giolito nearly uh, does two and a half times the strikeouts in the next half a season. Um, mm-hmm. That's just a – it'd be a ludicrous – he'd be having to get like 15 – no, probably more like 18 strikeouts per, per, per outing. And that's – it's a big deal when that happens once in like your career, you right. know? Uh, but Shane Bieber, I mean, if, if he gets – if he gets seven more starts – and averages 11 strikeouts per start, which is a reasonable number considering considering how great of a season he's having. That's what I'm saying. Like It'd be a step back for him, and he'd still be able to do it because 7 times 11 is 77. That gives him 152. Math checks out. Crazy shit. So yeah, I, uh, I weirdly... I'm not confident about this because literally any one thing going wrong ruins this. Shane Bieber uh, losing a step Shane Bieber missing literally one start. <laughs> um, any the the Indians imploding uh, as as a as a as a team or like losing games because of COVID or having to do a lot of double headers, which means he's not going to get as much rest, so that he's going to be missing starts because there's going to be too many games condensed. Um, there's a lot that can go wrong with this, but as of right now, he's on pace, um, and I take that as a win, which is wild. Yeah, I know. Um, my next one, number six, the extra innings rule is so universally hated. It's agreed upon to be changed by the owners before the end of the season. Uh, this one, again, while it's universally hated, I have no way of knowing whether the owners want to change it. And unless we hear some news about it, 
this is just going to have to be a uh, we'll hope and wait and see. Yeah, yeah, the owners definitely aren't going to change that anytime soon. Um, it's just because I don't know why they would at this point. The ton of the players are striking. They have no real reason to change it. It's right. it's so uncomfortable to watch, but it's here to stay for the rest of the season for sure. Right. If the owners can agree upon anything that they want to change before the end of the season, it might just have to be a commissioner. You never know. Oh, they fucking should. God damn it. I hate Rob Manfred more than I thought I ever could. Um, oh, he's the worst. Anyway, that brings us to my next bold prediction. Unnamed pitcher gets 15 wins. This one's not happening. Nope. Uh, there is a tie for first with six between Shane Bieber and you Darvish. Six is a lot of wins. That means that they've won. Uh, Shane Bieber has started seven games, so he has gotten the decision in all of them except one. He got one single no decision. Um, and, uh, uh, New Darvish has also started seven games and has one loss on the season. So unless these guys go out there and both throw nine more games, which in of itself would be a challenge just time-wise with how many games remaining there are and the pretty firm deadline we have before the playoffs start, uh, and then also won all nine of those games, which, hey, could someone go on a nine-game winning stretch? Absolutely. Is that like something I'd want to bet on? Fucking no. Uh, so. Chances are this one is in the shitter, but oh well. Yeah, it happens. Can't win yeah. them all. Can't win them all. All right, is that me? Am I up yep. next? I guess you're up. Dustin May is statistically the best Dodgers pitcher by the end of the season. This ain't it. It's not getting there. He's had a fantastic season. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it turns out. Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller are pretty good at baseball. Uh, I mean, Clayton Kershaw's rocking a 1.8 ERA, um, you know, 10 more strikeouts and five less innings pitched. He's given up essentially half as many earned runs and, again, five less innings, uh, less than half as many walks. It's, it's Clayton Kershaw. He's one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball. He's still the best. And some things just don't e- – even when everything in 2020 changes, at least one thing doesn't change. Clayton Kershaw is the world's greatest pitcher, and I love him. Um, God, he's fun to watch, even just in highlights because I don't feel like staying up for West Coast games. But cool. Oh, it's been fun staying up late watching Padres. I think I've fallen asleep watching all but like two games I've watched this season. <laughs> Baseball is the perfect sport to fall asleep to. Yeah, because it puts you to sleep sometimes. It, it really does, and like that's part of the fun. There's no, there's nothing wrong with falling asleep during a baseball game. You shouldn't feel bad about that. No one so should like, feel bad about that. Like last night, the Padres were down by like three runs in like the sixth inning. It was like ten o'clock. I was exhausted, ready to fall asleep. I'm just like, ah, uh, I want to stay up at least, you know, get through the eighth, see what happens. You know, I'll stay up, put through it, put myself through it. Bottom of the eighth inning put up three runs to tie the game. It's 11 o'clock and it's like, fuck me. Like I got to go to bed. Like, ah, I'll stay up. I got to watch at least the end of the game remains tied going into extra innings. And it's just like, I can't do it. I'm like fucking, my eyes are closed listening to the broadcast. I got to go to bed. And, uh, they actually ended up losing in the bottom of the ninth. Now that I'm actually thinking about it. 
Um, but either way, was too late for uh, for me. I remember trying to stay up once to watch a Yankees-Cubs game like three years ago, maybe. Um, it went to like, I think I fell asleep around inning like 12 or 14. <laughs> it ended up going like deep into the night. Um, and the Yankees did end up winning from like a Brett Gardner home run, which was just, just sounds hilarious from my recollection. But uh, yeah, I, you, you, you can't do that to yourself. No. <laughs> and you shouldn't. There's a hundred. It usually, there's 162 games. Like, just watch the next one. It's going to be okay. And this uh, season in particular just sucks because it's they're only playing West Coast teams. So it's every single game. Like, there's no East Coast road trips, nothing to break through. It's just, oh. Yeah, West and Central, that's it. Since I know that, you know, the Texas teams are not in the Central Division, but they are in more Central time zones. But yeah. anyway, uh, all right. My next bold prediction, three or more teams under 500 make the playoffs. So, as it stands right now, according to Baseball Reference, your most likely scenarios are for the National League, Dodge, um, the, the teams making the playoffs are Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, Padres, Cardinals, Mets, Brewers, and Phillies. So, if you look at the standings right now, the Phillies are currently sitting at 500. The Mets are 469, so there's one team below. The Brewers, 469, there's two teams below. The Cardinals, 458, there's three teams below 500, just in the National League, set to make the playoffs. As it stands right now, the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League, actually, no, they're over at this point. So no teams under 500 in the American League are set to make the playoffs, but all we do have three teams, all of them in the National League, set to under 500 set to make the playoffs yeah so this uh, this very much so could happen yeah that's what happens when you have uh, a handful of really really good teams yeah um my next one dodgers win more than 40 games this season they're currently you know with their 714 win percentage are on pace to win 43 which would be pretty spectacular um, over the course of a full season, they would be on pace to win 116 games, uh, which is fucking insane. Granted, with sample sizes, that I'm sure that's bound to come down. Um, that's just the way it works out, but that's pretty insane all around. Any way you look at it. Dodgers. So, how do you feel about this prediction? Very confident. All right, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, all right, all right. I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, all right, my next bull prediction was uh, the Blue Jays finish better than the Red Sox, and wow, do I feel great about this one! As the Blue Jays currently sitting at seventeen and fourteen, and the Red Sox currently sitting at eleven and twenty-two. Oh, um, the Red Sox are so bad. They're so I could not have fathomed them being this bad. Um, granted, a lot went wrong for them that we didn't know about when we made these predictions, which if, if we had known would have led me to thinking this not being as bold as it currently is. Like the fact that uh, Nathan Eovaldi would be their best pitcher, or at least their, like, I guess you could say, um, number or you know, ace pitcher. Oh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Pitcher. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez, like, got coronavirus and then developed a heart condition because of it and is missing the entire season. Like, there's no reasonable way you would have predicted that happening um, to anybody, not not just the the Red Sox. Like, they, they've 
they have no pitching. They have they have no all all of their games are bullpen games, and they have probably the worst bullpen in baseball. Like it's this isn't going well for them. Um, so Tough there's way to build a team. So as of right now, there's six games back in the win column from Toronto, and they're eight games back in the loss column from Toronto. So this is almost certainly going to stay true for the rest of the season, especially with Toronto being buyers at the deadline and Boston already showing themselves to be sellers at the deadline, moving on from Mitch Moreland, who was one of the only bright spots offensively for that team. I didn't realize he was 34. I would be a yeah, lot he is not this if you, uh, if he wasn't, you know, 34, but here's what it is. Yep. So feeling good. Give me your next one. Um, my next one. Let's pull it up. Uh, Shohei Otani finishes the season with both the fastest pitch and the farthest hit home run. Beats out Trout for MVP. Josh, again, I would like to move on. All right. <laughs> Moving on. The Marlins are not a bottom five team. Again, this was a bold prediction at the time. As of right now, not only are they not a bottom five team, they are in second place in their division. <laughs> Which is fucking insane. At and 500. I, yeah, I would like to take so much credit for this. <laughs> um, I, I, me, I alone have provided the Blue Jays, Orioles, and Marlins with the conf and White Sox. I'm taking credit for that too. And Padres. Uh, the, <laughs> the confidence to do well, to show them that they, they are better than their previous season records. And so far, they've all taken that in stride. Um, yeah, I don't see a way where the Marlins fall far enough to have this not come true, with the Pirates sitting at a 300 win percent, the Royals sitting at 394, the Angels at 353. Oh, fuck. The Mariners and Rangers are also both below 400. Like, There's a lot of teams. Though There are already, as it stands right now, five teams below 400. And with the Marlins currently sitting at 500, it would just take so much for them to fall below that mark. Um, not to mention the litany of teams that are currently sitting below 500 that they would also have to pass. Like They're not a good team. They're 500. They're an okay team. Um, but they're definitely, I don't think they're going to fall far enough for this to, to break my bull prediction. So I'm feeling very confident about this one. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's one I really got to give you credit for because that one's pretty spectacular. Um, my 10th prediction, Mike Trout is exposed to COVID multiple times in close proximity, but he's just so talented that his immune system kills it off and never gets sick. Um, I, You know what? I got to give myself credit here. Mike Trout hasn't gotten sick yet. I'm the best. I'm a genius. And that's really all I have to say about that. Gee, thanks, Forrest. Um, super, bud. Happy for you. Uh, all right. That brings me to my last one, which this should be the last one, right? Uh, I have an 11th. Oh, that's right. You did have an 11th. All right. Um, so my, my final bull prediction, which is still bold even today, and I still actually feel pretty good about, Mike Trout does not finish top five in MVP voting. Um, and I have to say, I didn't even believe myself at the time, but I actually feel kind of good about this. Um, so looking at it as just a straight-up war perspective, which I understand is a very limited view, uh, but just treating that as the catch-all stat, 
Mike Trout, 0.8 war. That puts him out of the top 10. Um, I, it might even put him out of the top 20. I didn't look that far back, but there's enough players above one and a half that I would have to imagine it would. Um, he's not even the third best player war-wise on his own team. Again, he missed some games because his kid was born and blah, blah, blah. But still, when you have enough players above him in in, in the types of way that that we that we're seeing it i uh i don't know we we really might see as of right now jose abreu which is hilarious um luis robert um david fletcher anthony rendon and brandon lau are all above him in the american league in in war which feels wacky and dumb but is true and i think there's enough talent and Mike Trout's won this award enough times that this might actually happen. As crazy as it seems, you know, numbers wise, numbers wise, it would make sense. Uh, granted, I fully have the utmost comp- confidence in Mike Trout for rebounding back to what we usually expect from him. And at the same time, when it comes down to voting, I mean, hate to say it but it's the way it is voters are relatively pretty dumb and i think they're gonna vote you know trout top five just because he is at the end of the day mike trout yeah the the name obviously carries a lot it's it's also tough because the angels are also pathetically bad this year when they're usually just pretty bad um for reference the top 10 position players by war in just the american league um to go in from one to ten, Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, David Fletcher, Anthony Rendon, Brandon Lau, Tim Anderson, Kyle Lewis, Nelson Cruz, Mark Chapman, and oh man, Santander. Um, yes, Mark Chapman from Eskland, uh, California. Um, yeah, no, Matt Chapman. I'm sorry, and um, Anthony Santander of Baltimore. Um, all of them. With Anthony Sandander at the bottom there with 1.3 war, a full half a win over Mike Trout right now. Jose Abreu leading the pack at two war, a full 1.2 over Mike Trout. And it's crazy because these are small differences at the end of the day. Like someone finishing with 1.2 more war than somebody else at the end of a season. Uh, obviously, it's it's a pretty large difference. But at the same time, like if you look at a guy with 4.5 war, you don't look at him as being that far off from a guy with 3.3 war. like. Right you look at those dudes within a relatively similar scope. But with so few games available for you to build up that category, that difference of 1.2 is really big. And again, I don't want to treat that as being like the entire logical basis I have for thinking of this, but at the same time, um, seeing all of the players above him means that there's that many more players worth voting for. And that's what I think might do him in. Yeah, that's very fair. That's very, very fair. All right, give me the secret 11th prediction. I forgot what it was. It's very much not secret because I've already told it to you. Um, I know, but I forget what it was. (laughs) Neither of us get a single bold prediction correct because 2020 is too woke. I already have a bold prediction correct and has already proven this wrong. I'm glad it was a secret number 11 and not an actual bad prediction. Yeah, because that's not good. <laughs> that is wrong. Yes, it is. Uh, it's tough, but 
the way it is. That's just the way it is. Um, all right. That is it for the bold predictions. So, so far, it's a pretty mixed bag. But I have to say, Corwin, I have nothing to back this up. But this feels like the best we've done out of every version of every league's big bold predictions that we've ever done. Yeah, like I think the most either of us have gotten is like three, maybe four total. Um, even that might be skewing high. Uh, but both of us are, I mean, just counting up mine. Um, one, two, three. I have three that are highly likely, if not already proven correct. That's pretty damn good altogether. I don't know about you. You definitely have a couple that are very much, you know, strong contenders. Mutually or like uh, combined? Yeah, this is by far the best we've ever done. Yeah, I don't have any that are like done done yet because all of mine are are very much so end of season determinants. But Mm -hmm. as of right now, like I'm in the running to get a decent number of these, um, which is just wild because... Again, this isn't core on us saying, look how smart we are, because we usually try to make these pretty bold, and we usually don't get them. So the fact that we are getting them, potentially, that we're even in contention to get them, is, like, pretty cool. Um, what's funny is that I easily could have changed number 11 to be both of us get a ton of bold predictions correct, because 2020 is too woke, and yeah, it fits the bill. 2020 is just too woke. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, Also, uh, just some Mike Trout stats. Uh, If you extrapolated his stats out to 150 games, not even 162, he'd be on pace for 60 home runs and 160 RBI. It's just not enough. I I don't tell you. I mean, that's just not an MVP season. It's just not an MVP season. It's, I mean, come on, like, like it's most valuable player. Not home run and RBIE player. Like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike Trout so much. Oh, he's so good. He, uh, could, he could afford so much toilet paper. Yes, 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 he can. <laughs> um, all right. Anything else to say about our bold predictions? Uh, no. All right, so then shall we talk about some uh, a few a few news topics here uh, without stepping on the toes of our <laughs> news episode later on? Um, tell me about this thing that you just t- that you said in the in the chat here. Yeah, so uh, this happened while we were recording. Um, today is you know August thirtieth, Sunday. Uh, Jamar Chase, you know, last year's Bletnikoff winner for the top wide receiver in college football top five prospect for next year and, you know, is predicted by many to go in the top five, you know, even top 10 of the draft, depending on how the draft falls out, uh, decided to opt out for the season uh, with LSU. So that is a huge loss for them. Uh, You know, the SEC and ACC are really only two major leagues participating uh, fully in this year. I mean, I guess you could throw the Big 12 in there, but they have significantly less teams that are of note to the NFL draft. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, that is a huge commitment on par with the likes of guys like uh, Micah Parsons. So definitely tough to see. Definitely bad for college football this year. Give me an NFL equivalent. Ooh, man, that's tough right now. Um, just because I, I have limited film study. 
Um, but let's see if I could look up his numbers. I've seen him play, but it's hard to just off of that. Or um, even just like in a, like news wise, like what would an equivalent opt out be for an NFL wide receiver? Uh, like who? who like Who would be opting in the NFL compared to you know his level in college football? Yeah, like like, like what what NFL wide receiver opting out would give you the same level of reaction? Uh, fucking Julio Jones, no copy. Oh goddamn! Yeah, like okay. this is the okay, wide that. receiver in college football. No question yeah. asked. All right, I, um, I I I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> just looking at you know Daniel Jeremiah's comp, it it looks to be. Kenny Galladay, you know, um, that kind of physical size as well as, you know, catchability. He's, he's got, you know, you know, he's a, he's a wide receiver projected to go top five in a very, very good NFL class next year. Very much, you know, something to look towards. Interesting. Uh, I'm I'm expecting, especially now that we've seen someone of of, of high talent um, opt out, that you will be likely to see more. Uh, yeah, and I, I I think an under discussed part of this is also um, I know we talked a lot about race last episode because of the uh, the protests and strikes that occurred throughout sports, really. But uh, black and brown communities have been way more affected by coronavirus due to a litany of factors that we could spend a very significant amount of time talking about on this podcast. Um, and surprise, surprise, a lot of college football players are also black and, you know, they might not want to have anything, any possible way to bring those illnesses back to their communities with an understanding of how much more hard hit they are. So uh, I think based on how poorly a lot of um, college course in-person college resumption has been going um i i really wouldn't be surprised if we saw more people opting out yeah uh, i just would like to add i was looking through to see if i could find some more uh nfl comparisons for him uh this random you know html looking website called draftsite.com had a comparison for jamar chase who is by the way six foot one 205 pounds with Julio Jones, who is like 6'5", 240. Wow. That is just, like, granted, I'm not saying that that is an accurate comparison. I think that's way off just because Julio Jones is such a more physical uh, player. He's actually 6'3", 220. Regardless, whatever. He's a good wide receiver. That's all I got. I got it. Yeah. Um, I would like to, to to pivot back to baseball for for one of our our pop topics real quick. Um, the Mitch Moreland trade. Yes, the pop- I think I can. Moves. I think I can explain this to you. Okay. All right. So I sorted the Padres roster by most starts at DH. Do you have any impression of who these people are? Uh, what do you mean? Like who would be starting most at DH? Yeah. Uh, I think Greg Garcia is probably tops the list right now. Maybe he is Oscar, fourth. Will Myers. Will Myers is like seventh. Okay. So most starts at DH right now is a tie between Ty France and Tommy Pham. Uh, I forgot about Tommy Pham because he's hurt. Yeah, that makes sense. And Ty France has been playing a lot. Okay. So as it stands right 
as it stands right now, Ty France sits uh, just looking at war at 0.4 and Tommy Pham at 0.3. So if we take just those two, since they have the most games, because I, I don't want to extend down to Josh Naylor, um, that means that, that they are sitting at 0.1 war production from their DH. And that's just not enough. Um, especially when looking at the actual batting lines of those guys. As of right now, Ty, Ty France having a really good season. Um, 314, 375, 510, good for an 885 OPS, a 143 OPS plus. But like you said, Tommy Pham out on the 10-day IL. He had a 71 OPS plus when he did. And uh, you would like more flexibility there, especially if you're trying to do better um, with, with your platooning. And mm-hmm. Any I, any idea of what Mitch Moreland's OPS plus is sitting at right now? Eight fifty. Two oh four. Ooh, that's not good. That no, it's, is it's so unbearably bad. Two oh four as an OPS plus? Oh, I thought you said OPS. No. Oh man, that's so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his current line as it stands right now. Is 328, 430, 746 slugging, good for a 1177 OPS and a 204 OPS plus. Oh, that's so, so, so much better. He oh. is, is predominantly playing uh, first base with some, with some DHing here and there, uh, left handed bat. 0.9 war on the season at a defensively relatively meaningless position, which means he's getting like no benefit from uh, also being a gold glove winning first baseman. Um, this is a, just a huge step up. It's literally double the production of Ty France going by, going by war. Um, I, I mean, wow. And it gives him the platoon because Ty France, you get the right-handed bat. Mitch Moreland, you get the left-handed bat. And they didn't have to give up anything for it. And they're really just trying to make it through this year to try to, you know, get uh, a championship ring here. So it's not like they need Mitch Moreland to be the future of DH slash first base for this team. Uh, this is this is a nifty move. I love this move now. Oh, love it. Absolutely love it. Now that I know that this guy is going to be just hitting thousand bombs for us this year. And as I having watched it's scary. I know. Having having watched Mitch Moreland a lot over the last few years as he's played, been on the Red Sox, so I've seen him play against the Yankees a lot. Even when he's, like, he's not a fast guy, uh, and he never has been, so even though he's aging and getting slower, he's never been quick. And I've seen him play hurt, where he really can't run. And holy shit, he still hits doubles. Like, it's crazy. He's so good. You're getting a very talented baseball player. All right, I want to look up the the actual projected lineup right now for what it could be once Tommy Pham gets back. Because I know he's hurt, should be back for the playoffs. Padres should be back for the playoffs. Um, man, right now, so catcher, huge issue for the Padres, you know, between Francisco Maia, Austin Hedges. Uh Austin Hedges with a 614 OPS, 69. O- you want to do OPS plus? Because that would make the most sense. Sure. Um, 69 OPS plus, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. 69 is a very nice number. Not ideal for Major League Baseball player. But Eric Hosmer with a 140. Jay Cronenworth with a 172. Fernando Tatis Jr. with 177. 
Manny Machado with a 175. Um, Trent Grisham with a 118. Will Myers with a 169. Ty France with a 143. Tommy Pham, who has struggled to start off the year, but at the end of the day, still Tommy Pham with a 71. And now Mitch Moreland with his 201, I think you said. That's a fucking scary lineup. Yeah. Yeah, that's some real shit. All right. Pitching, get your fucking shit together, guys. Please. And then go go cock slap those Dodgers so that my predictions can come true. Um, yeah, I mean, Zach Davies, just to go over pitching real quick, because I want to talk about the Padres as much as I can. Zach Davies. Started the year as our number five starter, has a 167 ERA plus. Denilson Lamette with a 186 ERA plus. Chris Paddock with an 85. Garrett Richards with an 85. And that's kind of where we fall with our starting pitchers. Nothing that spectacular. Nothing great. Hopefully we can get Mike Clevenger, Trevor Bauer, some former Indians pitchers to get in here and beef up this lineup. Sure thing, man. Pretty please. <laughs> um, was there anything else we plan on talking about today, or do you want to wrap it up? Um, do you want to talk about the Mets, or not the Mets, Rob Manfred? Do you want to wait until the next episode? You know what? Let's save that for the next episode, because that's going to warrant a whole conversation. And I want to bring up um, this next thing in, in, in uh Thursday's episode as well, so we can have a longer form discussion on it. But give me your initial reaction to this morning's news that Yannick Ngakwe is going to Minneapolis. Uh, Sorry, Minnesota. It had to happen at some point. I actually think the value that the Jaguars were able to get for him, um, which was a second and a fifth, I want to say. I think it's a um, conditional fifth, but yeah, it sounds right. Conditional fifth, right, that can become up to a third um, is pretty spectacular. I mean, they drafted Yannick Ngakwe in the third. Obviously, he has outperformed that um, and is a pretty spectacular edge rusher. Um, I think it's a win for both sides. Yeah, uh, I'm not surprised he got traded. I am surprised it was Minnesota for no real reason. I just kind of assumed it wouldn't be them. Again, not like... I was assuming it would not be Minnesota. I just wouldn't. They weren't in like the top three teams in my mind that it would have been. Right. Um, it, especially because they've seemed kind of like on the bubble of whether they want to finish out this window with the players they have under contract and then go to a rebuild or uh, do what they're currently doing and just doubling down and saying, fuck money. Let's, let's, let's just do it. Which, uh, Super respectable. Gotta gotta like it. Um, but I mean, they did lose some players along that defensive front, um, so I get why they would, you know, initially want to beef that up. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about more about this on on Wednesday. Yeah, again, longer form discussion for later. But uh, the only thing, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll I'll save all my snarky comments for Thursday. <laughs> uh, all right, then then I guess we'll we'll leave it there. Yeah, sure. All right, well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at numbers at gmail.com. Remember to tune in to the movies podcast, Juicing the Big Screen. You can find it on Twitter at BigScreenJuice. <laughs> you can uh, hit us up via uh, JuicingTheBigScreen at gmail.com for that. 
Um, and until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.